Hello and welcome to This Is Modern Rock. I am Will Westerkow. Joining me today is Orly. Hi, Orly. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Good. This is a special episode. Most of this episode was recorded quite a while ago. I know. 10 weeks into the COVID pandemic. Mm-hmm. So that would have been 2020, if you can believe it. And after we recorded the episode, I had second thoughts about it for various reasons, and I decided not to post it. But just about a week ago, Mark Lanigan, the lead singer for The Screaming Trees, died. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine suggested that I do a tribute episode about him. And um, I remembered, well, I've actually got a tribute episode already done. Mm-hmm. So you know what? I thought, why don't we talk about Mark and extend um, it and we'll extend it and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll um, bring back the episode so that's what we're gonna do we're yep. gonna talk about four modern rock musicians who died all due to covid or covid related things really yeah lanigan too i have not seen his official cause of death yet but he did release a book very shortly before he died mm-hmm. and in that he talked about contracting covid at some oh. point And he got very, very sick. Oh, my gosh. He spent at least six weeks in the ICU, most of that in a medically induced coma. (gasps) And he said he lost his sense of hearing, his sense of taste. Because it affects your brain. Oh, yeah. He was messed up. Yes. He eventually recovered enough to leave the hospital and go back home. So, yeah, I I do not know exactly what his official cause of death is, Mm -hmm. but uh, that COVID surely didn't help. Wow. Yeah, sure. Of course. So we actually just talked about Mark Lanigan in the last episode. We were talking about the the music of Seattle. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen to it. It's really good. Mark was the lead singer of The Screaming Trees. He was initially the drummer, but uh, he was not much of a drummer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the band thought he'd be a better singer, so they moved him to that position. And I read quotes from him that he didn't particularly want to be a singer in a band. Like, that was not a goal of his. That happens. Yeah. I remember reading that it happened to Soundgarden. Chris Cornell wasn't originally the singer. And um, with Silverchair, they were like, nobody wants to sing. Mm -hmm. And he, like, drew the short straw. I think that happened with the (laughs) Arctic Monkeys as well. Yeah, I think... (laughs) And now you're like, can you imagine it any other way? Are they insane? Yeah, it is weird. Like, you didn't have a passion for this? Yeah, this guy's in your band and he can sing like this and he's not your singer. And usually they're the songwriters, too. It's just like, it's weird. But my point was, like, I don't know if he necessarily wanted to be in a band at all. It was more like he saw this as his only escape from his shitty town. Sorry, Ellensburg, Washington. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) he saw it as his only way out. Of what he thought of as a depressing Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And I mean, he had a really rough childhood, a really rough early life, and he wanted to get out. It's really sad. Um, We're going to listen to three songs that Mark Lanigan is involved in. He's most well-known for The Screaming Trees. That band charted four times on the modern rock charts. And we listened to their biggest hit, I Nearly Lost You, last episode. There's three other songs to choose from. We're going to listen to one of those. And Orly, I'm going to actually let you choose. Mm-hmm. We can go back in time to their previous album and hear their first chart hit, or we can jump to the ending part of their career and hear their last chart hit. Oh, you should let me know the names of both of them. Oh, you're going you're gonna to make your decision based on the names? I think so. Okay. So your choices are 1991's Bed of Roses okay, and 1996's All I Know. I'll go 96. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. I mentioned last episode that Screaming Trees failed to capitalize fully on the success of I Nearly Lost You. Right. Part of that was 
after their 1992 album, Sweet Oblivion, they did not release another album for four years. It happens. And so like there's this big grunge explosion and they've got- They're not putting anything out. Yeah, they've got nothing new to sell. All right, so we're going to listen to this song. It's from their album, Dust. This one actually managed to make it all the way to number nine mm-hmm. in August of 1996. Just real quick. Yeah. Allison Chains put out dirt. These guys are like, I'll see your dirt. We'll raise you a dust. <laughs> dust. We're made out of dead skin cells, baby, and lint. Yeah. <laughs> Whose album is called Filth? That would be modern rock artist Swans. We've heard from them before. They did have an album called Filth, and that is from... 1983. Oh, that's early. They were first. Mm-hmm. Filth came first. Yeah. I'm glad we cleared that up. Then dirt. <laughs> then dust. Then dust. That seems right. Yeah. Screaming Trees broke up right before they put out what would have been their last album, Jar of Bugs. <laughs> All right. Well, here it is. All I know. Come back down to earth again. I like that. Yeah. All I know is that that's a pretty good song. It is a pretty good song. I judge songs sometimes by like their parts. And like if there's too many boring or cheesy parts, I'm out. Mm -hmm. This had a lot of all the good parts. Yeah. You know, it's like maybe less raw than I would expect. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that makes sense. Like sometimes it's gone by, it's produced a little shinier. Yeah. But it's hooky enough. I've only heard it a few times and it's already sticking with me pretty well. I agree. I just kind of like listening to his voice, really. I yeah, think Mark I do Lanigan's too. got a cool voice. He does this voice, but then sometimes he sings and it's like closer to Tom Waits. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds real down and gruff and uh-huh. drunken blues kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's cool that he can do kind of the different styles yes. and it always sounds good. Yeah, he sounds pretty smooth actually in this one. Yeah. Who does he remind me of? Could have been, could have been. Who does that? I don't know. But I, I want to hear it. What is this song? I could have been. <laughs> I don't know. It was I'll probably get, this. I'll get back to you. I mean, you've seen The Screaming Trees, right? I have, yeah. So you most likely heard this song? Uh, yeah. Yeah. When did you say that was? Well, I saw them in 96. Okay. Well, sometime around then, Mark Lanigan was getting sick of the band. Mark said something like, it's really hard to be in a band that doesn't want to get any better. Oh, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I, I mean, I don't know if that's fair or not, but like, I guess that's the way he felt at the time. Did they not like practicing? Maybe he just had more ambition than they did. Oh. I have no idea. I'm not really sure. But I do know this. As they were touring this album, Dust, mm-hmm. Josh Homme joined mm-hmm. them from Queens of the Stone Age. Is that how we say his name? I think so. In my head, I say hum. Hum. <laughs> Yeah, like he's a French man, Josh Ohm. Uh huh. I think it's Hami. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so Josh Hami joined them as like a touring guitarist for a while. Okay. In support of this album, and when Mark Lanigan left Screaming Trees, or when Screaming Trees broke up, Mark Lanigan joined Queens of the Stone Age. Mm. 
and for a while was an official member. Mm-hmm. And then even when he was not an official member, he continued to work with them. So he was an official member of Queens of the Stone Age when they recorded Songs for the Deaf. Okay. He contributed a couple lead vocals, some backup vocals, and actually helped co-write some songs. So hmm. the next song we're going to hear is a Queens of the Stone Age song, right. which Mark Lanigan co-wrote. It went to number one on the Modern Rock Charts in February 2003. This is called No One Knows. We get these pills to That's a really good song. The riffage. It's very riffage. Yeah. Honestly, though, it stood out right away as different, Mm -hmm. but enjoyably, it was a grower. Yeah, I remember hearing this when it came out. It it caught my attention right away. And I thought, like, this is not exactly the sound that I necessarily love. Right. But this is still very good and is drawing me to it. Absolutely. And here's my biggest problem. I don't know a word he's saying. So I'm just singing total gibberish yeah, along you, with it. You got some rules to follow. And No, I'm talking about the chorus. I realize oh, you're wrong. No, I, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, fool. and I realize you're mine. You're mine. Indeed a fool am I. Yeah. Have you seen this video? Yes, a million times. It was all over the place. Yeah. I was glued to MTV in 2003. Yeah. So first of all, I mean, really, we got a super group here. Not only is Mark Lanigan in here, but Dave Grohl's on the drums. Mm-hmm. And I only mentioned the video because Mark Lanigan gets punched in the face by a deer. I was going to say, isn't there an animal like a bear or something? It's a, it's deer. a deer. Yeah. Punches yeah. him in the face. It ties Josh to the car and then uh-huh. drives around with him. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Mark Lanigan continued to do a bunch of work with Queens of the Stone Age, uh, I think between 2000 and 2014. Mm-hmm. That's uh, a long time. Yeah, but he was doing all kinds of other stuff, too. He, well, I saw them, too. Does that mean he was there? I actually don't know how much playing he did with them, though, because mm-hmm. I, I, I've looked up a bunch of their credits, and I never see him listed as like a guitarist or anything. But okay. If, even if you watch the video, he's not playing the music. He's just... In the in car the with Josh and the other uh-huh. guy driving around. Interesting. Yeah. Sorry, other guy. <laughs> other guy. Other guy with the shaved head in Queens of the Stone Age. <laughs> Mark, this entire time, though, he's he's doing solo albums. I think he put out like a dozen solo albums. Okay. Just tons of them. And yeah. he was doing all this other work, too. So he had just so much inside of him, and the band was not growing with him. Right. He also worked with Mad Season, uh-huh. also kind of a super group. They were a super that group. That was Lane Mike Staley, McCready. Mike McCready. Yeah. Yep. I remember he was in that. Mark Lanigan was in a band called the Gutter Twins with Greg Dooley from the Afghan Whigs. Mm-hmm. He had a minor UK hit with a PJ Harvey duet. He did three albums with Isabel Campbell, formerly of Bell and Sebastian. My point is, he was doing a lot of stuff. He was getting around. He was collaborating a ton. If anyone's interested in Mark Lanigan, there's just a wide variety of things to explore. But for our final song, because I'm trying to keep this modern rock chart centric, 
we're going to listen to a song by Martina Topley Bird featuring Mark Lanigan and Warpaint. This is a cover of Crystallized by the XX, which the original version hit number 37 on the modern rock charts in November 2010. That's it? Mm-hmm. That song was everywhere. You know what it wasn't? It was everywhere on my CD that I was playing. Yeah. <laughs> You're hearing it a ton because it was on a mix that you had. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So the original version, XX's Crystallized, charted barely in 2010. This cover version did not chart, but it's a cool song. Mm-hmm. I really like it. Let's give it a listen. Yeah. Here it is. Crystallize. Things have gotten closer to the sun And I've done things in small people are covering newer songs i want more of that i totally agree i like it it's also interesting just to go like oh cool he's keeping up with newer music you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) this old guy he's not your grandpa no and you know i was actually i was actually shocked by how young he was yeah mark 57 57 not old no that's not really very old is it no yeah when he recorded this it was he was barely 50 yeah what does that mean? He was born in like 66? I know. When I saw that he died at 57, I was like, well, how old was he when he joined Screaming Trees? He's like 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do math right now because I have COVID brain, but I'm sure someone could figure that out with a calculator oh or something. <laughs> Don't joke about COVID brain. I think I have it too. I've never actually confirmed my case of COVID. It's before they tested for COVID. Yeah, you've got brainitis. So (laughs) we're assuming you must have had COVID at some point. That's right. Okay, well, I thought all those songs were cool. Very cool. Obviously, he died too young. And, you know, heartbreaking. After a life of hard drugs, I think he had been sober for a decade, if I'm not mistaken. I know he, he had kicked the habit and he had been living <sighs> clean for a while. And it's like, especially, it's doubly sad. You're like, I imagine, I imagine there getting... were plenty of people who thought he was not going to live to be 30 or 40. And right. Yeah, he overcomes that and, um, you know, still goes too early. Yeah. It's really sad. All right. Well, at this point, we're going to jump back to the previously recorded part of the episode. We're going back in time two years. And we're going to talk about three musicians who died within the first 10 weeks of the pandemic, which is crazy. I mean, I remember thinking at the time, we've lost all of these musicians this fast. Is every musician going to be dead by the time we reach the end of the year? It's horrible. And thankfully, musicians started to take precautions or something. I'm not really sure. but Yeah, they stopped traveling. Shut it down. Yeah. But too late for these artists, unfortunately. Yeah. So the first one we're going to talk about is a musician by the name of Adam Schlesinger. Orly, I think you've actually mentioned Adam Schlesinger on the show before. I probably have. Yeah. So you're a fan. I'm a fan because if you know me at all, you know I love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and he was the co-writer of every song on that show, pretty much. Right, and that show had a lot of songs. 157 songs. Wow. 
Yeah, this is the thing about Adam Schlesinger that really amazed me when I dove into his music. He can do anything. He's a genius. He can write in any style. He's, <laughs> and it's not strictly parody. He can just... Write a good song in that genre. That's yes. the thing. It's can... like inspired by, but not... Absolutely. Yes. yes. Yeah. He was able to pump quality songs, just pump them out one after the other. A lot of artists who I love, mm-hmm. you're like, wow, they wrote 20 songs in... 20 years you know what i mean like to put out an album or two every decade (laughs) they call it quits no i'm serious i'm serious i could name a lot of bands who at this point are putting out maybe an album every four years if you're lucky right you know adam schlesinger was not that guy he was putting out song after song after song all over the place Mm -hmm. everybody wanted him for sure. So I'm just going to go through some of the things he did. We're going to listen to some songs that he wrote or co-wrote. Anytime. Adam Schlesinger is probably best known for the modern rock band Fountains of Wayne. Yeah. And Fountains of Wayne charted three times on the modern rock charts. But he was also in a band called Ivy. He was in a band called Tinted Windows, which this is amazing. Tinted Windows is Adam Schlesinger, but also Taylor Hansen from Hansen, mm-hmm. James Eha from Smashing Pumpkins, and Bunny Carlos from Cheap Trick. Wow. Yeah. So this is this is like a multi-generational super right. group. That sounds amazing. Another thing about Adam Schlesinger that's pretty amazing, though, is he is an EGOT nominee. So uh-huh. he didn't actually get the EGOT, but he was nominated mm. for all of those awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he did win some of them as well. Mm-hmm. So Schlesinger, he got the daytime Emmy for Elmo the Musical, but he also got a primetime Emmy for the song It's Not Just for Gays Anymore, performed by Neil Patrick Harris at the opening of the 65th Tony Awards all telecast. Right, that one's funny. And he got a 2013 Emmy Award for Outstanding Music and Lyrics for the song, If I Had Time, performed by Neil Patrick Harris as the closing number of the 66th Tony Awards. He got the 2017 Emmy for We Tapped That Ass from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And he got the 2019 Emmy for Antidepressants Are So Not a Big Deal, also from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So he has four Emmys. This guy's all over the Emmys. Yeah, I love it. As far as Grammys go, Fountains of Wayne was nominated for two Grammy Awards in 2003, mm. Best New Artist and Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group. And that was for Stacey's Mom. Oh, they're lucky they didn't get that Best New Artist. Yeah. It's the kiss of death, right? Kiss of death. But Schlesinger and Stephen M. Gold won the 2009 Grammy for Best Comedy Album for the mm. album A Colbert Christmas, The Greatest Gift of All. Oh, I've never heard that. Yeah, I haven't heard that either. So if you're in the mood for some Colbert Christmas. You know what to get me. Yeah. (laughs) Moving on. Oscar. He did not win the Oscar, Mm. but he was nominated and can I say should have won Uh for the main song from the film, That Thing You Do. Oh, that definitely should have won. Definitely should have won. What? Yeah. hundred percent better than whatever was from Evita. That is the biggest load of bullshit. (laughs) Evita? Like, give me a break. Here's the thing. That song from Evita, whatever song it was, I'm sure it was fine. But It you was could, great. You In the 70s. You could have taken that song out of Evita, and the movie would have been more or less the same, I think. Right? <laughs> that, you mean if remove that thing you do from that thing you do? <laughs> that thing you do. That song made that film. Yeah. That was a fun, enjoyable movie because of the song, That Absolutely. Thing You Do. Yeah. And from what I understand, Adam Schlesinger... He was not specifically hired to write that song. 
the producers for the film, they kind of put out an open call and said, hey, we need a song. Mm. It's got to have a certain feel. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it needs to seem like it could have legitimately been right. a number two hit back in 1965 or whatever it was. <laughs> right. And Adam Schlesinger, he wrote That Thing You Do, sent it in. They picked it. It's a ton of fun. It is. Let's listen to it. Here we go. Definitely should have won. This is robbed. This is the Oneaters. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Wonders with That Thing You Do. I remember when I saw this movie, I was like shocked at how good this song was. I was like, good job writing a song for this movie. Yeah. I mean, I loved everything about that. Yeah. Every little part. Do you remember that much about the movie? I mean, there's some band turmoil, something about a girl and that song. The song. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you remember. Yeah. He nailed it. It sounds like it could have actually been a hit. Like it's got the sound of the era. Absolutely. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's singing in there. I remember it coming on in Long's Drugstore one time and <laughs> being pretty stoked about it. Yes! Yes. <laughs> I haven't heard this tune in a long time. Yeah, shopping for some foot ointment and uh, <laughs> oh my bobbing my head God. too. <laughs> no, are you kidding me? Come on. Back in 96, I didn't need no foot ointment. <laughs> when did you need foot ointment? Was, when did uh, that start? It was for, for jock itch. <laughs> Better. That's what I needed in 96. <laughs> Okay, so that that was the Oscar mm-hmm. and the Tony. Schlesinger was nominated for the music and lyrics that he co-wrote for the musical Crybaby based on mm, the John Waters film. Wow. That was 2008. I mean, this guy was so talented. I'm just so heartbroken. I mean, he wrote songs for everything from the Howard Stern show to Sesame Street and like everything in between. Yeah. He also did a bunch of production work. He's produced albums for They Might Be Giants and Fastball and The Monkees, actually, on The Monkees' big comeback album. Everybody I like. But like we said earlier, he's probably most well-known for Fountains of Wayne. They charted three times in 1997 with their song Radiation Vibe. That's what we're going to listen to. It hit number 14 on the modern rock charts. But they did also chart in 1999 with the song Denise and in 2003 with the song Stacy's Mom. Pretty sure I know all those songs. I may definitely know Stacy's Mom. Well, let's find out. Let's hear Radiation Vibe, number 14, So I actually don't remember that song from 1997 at all. I've only heard it, you know, in recent years. I remember it. It's still taking me straight back to 1997. For sure. That sound. I'm 17. Yeah. It's sad. Is it? I didn't really pay attention to the lyrics. I'm not paying attention to the lyrics either. Just like when I'm listening to it. Oh. It seems sad. Do you think you're being affected by the fact that Adam Schlesinger's dead and you know that? I don't think so. And you're seeing video of him like looking young and healthy. (laughs) 
I mean, maybe if you put it that way, I mean, it's not helping. Yeah. Makes me sad. All right. So that was Radiation Vibe. In addition to that band and the other bands I mentioned, he went on to a successful television career. We mentioned Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And I wanted to play a song or two from that show because I think it's really astounding what he was able to do. Heck yeah. I have not seen the entire series. I've seen a lot of episodes. But the styles that he covered range everywhere from doo-wop to modern day hip-hop to Simon and Garfunkel. I mean, you name it. Everything, really everything. So we're going to play one more song that Adam Schlesinger wrote or Mm co-wrote. And it's going to be his 2019 Grammy-winning song from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend called Antidepressants Are So Not a Big Deal. This one is clearly inspired by La La Land. Mm-hmm. Here it is. The butcher, the baker, the grocery clerk, they're all on 20 milligrams or so. The movers, the shakers, the happy homemaker. You'd be surprised how many of them know. Antidepressants are so not a big deal. Leave up your antidepressants. Sweet treats, here's the deal. Welcome to the club with open admission. You're cast in the play. Adam Schlesinger. The loss is felt and will be felt for a long time. Yeah, pretty incredible what he was able to do. So much work he's not going to do because he's not here. Yeah. Adam Schlesinger was 52 when he died. Yeah. The next person we're going to talk about is named Dave Greenfield, and he is most well-known as being the keyboardist for the UK punk band The Stranglers. Mm-hmm. which he joined in 1975, one year after they were formed. And he played keys in the band until his death in 2020. And this is not just like playing keyboard in any band. The Stranglers are about the keyboard. Right. That's like, if you don't know that, it's right. like pretty important. Right. And I think I read a quote where the singer basically said like, Dave Greenfield's keyboards were the difference between the Stranglers and like any old generic any other band. punk band. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's what made the band stand out. Oh, for sure. The Stranglers, they put out their first album in 1977. Like I said, they charted once on the modern rock charts in 1990. And we're going to listen to three songs that Dave Greenfield was involved with. Let's enjoy and appreciate. Okay. The first one we're going to hear, this is a song called No More Heroes. No More Heroes is off of The Stranglers' second album, No More Heroes, 1977. I'm a punk fan. I know it well. Let's listen to it. Here it is. No More Heroes. Whatever happened to you, dear old Landon, the great O'Meara, and Sancho Panza. That song's from 1977. It sounds so ahead of its time. What about it? Just all of it. Yeah. It sounds new wave, like past already. Oh, really? Because of the keys? I know what you mean. Yeah. And just just like the way that everything feels like it's rushing by you. Yes. It's not just like, here's a chord. It's like... Yeah. yeah like it's like you're sliding down the matrix or something. Yes. <laughs> yes. Speedy arpeggios going on. <laughs> A couple things I want to say about this song. Some of you might recognize it because it was covered by the Violent Femmes in 1999 for the Mystery Men soundtrack. Uh, okay. <laughs> but also, 
The Stranglers sued Elastica. And we talked about this before because remember Wire also sued oh, Elastica yes, for yes. the same that album. Uh, slippery the, little band. The Stranglers also sued Elastica because they thought that this song shared a lot of similarities with their song Waking Up from their debut album. Yeah, I guess. So not your typical punk band because they have those keys in there that make them seem a little ahead of their time. Yeah, and they're, the vocals are more on top. Mm. It's not like super distorted. It's not in the background. Like they're punk, but they have enough pop sensibility to be listenable, yeah. enough weirdness to give you cred and make it interesting. Yeah, and also it's not just a song about like, I'm angry at the queen or like I want to smash totally. something. I mean, this is a song that her name checks leon trotsky yeah i mean like uh, i feel like that kind of stuff is like libertinesy like oh you know like they want to talk about how well read they are that's fine some bill shakespeare i'm into it Uh yeah yeah all right so the stranglers continued on for a while and in 1981 they actually hit number two in the uk with what was their biggest charting song of all time and this one's pretty out of the blue. This mm. one uh, really caught people by surprise, I think. Oh. This song, Golden Brown, it's built on a harpsichord piece that Greenfield had written while the Stranglers were working on the previous album, The Gospel According to Men in Black. And it was rejected at the time, but for their follow-up album, La Folie, mm-hmm. they brought it back and uh, it turned into something very unique and okay. very interesting. I can't tell how you feel about it. Well, let's listen to it and find <laughs> out. Tempress through the ages, she's heading west from far away, stays for a day, never a frown with golden brown. I mean, I thought it was good, yeah, it made me sad. Did it? Yeah. I really like that song. Mm-hmm. I'm not alone. Enemy chose Golden Brown as one of their top 500 songs of all time in 2014. But I'm just astounded. This was just four years after No More Heroes to go from like the straight up punk stuff to like this. And this sounds like, I mean, what other song ever on the pop charts sounds like this? Yeah, it's really good. And like, it sounds ahead of its time, but it also sounds ancient sure i mean yeah so it's got harpsichord and it's got like a weird shifting time signature yeah it's it's really good yeah it is and that guy can really sing that's the thing right well i could tell the first time too because like i said his vocals aren't all messy he's not just screaming he's singing yeah and this time like a few years later he's like oh check it out i'm gonna sing some more yeah sounds great his voice sounds great and you know what a surprise for stranglers fans i guess yeah it depends you know like if you're like i mean yeah did they hate it did they like it i'm sure there were some that were like this isn't my stranglers absolutely and then other people like yes blossom Sure, but, you, but I mean, that's the thing, like, you don't want your band to sound the same, like, year after year after right. year, and if they can change, but also still be really good, Yes, I mean, that's a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. So, that one, like I said, was written or co-written by Dave Greenfield, it's based on his Beautiful. harpsichord work. Yeah, really good. And also, you know, you can file that one along with The Laws, There She Goes, mm. in the category of songs about heroin or a girl. Oh, yes, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Okay, we're going to hear one more. And this is 
The Stranglers' one and only modern rock hit, which I guess makes it their most successful song in the U.S. because they never charted on any other chart over here. This hit number five in 1990. It's called Sweet Smell of Success. Was this inspiration for the smells of the teen spirit later on? I don't know. Like, if they can smell, we can smell. (laughs) Okay, here's the thing. They moved on from Golden Brown, Uh and they went and got themselves some sweet, sweet blow. And they went all 80s on this. It's just so, I don't know, overblown and... So you don't like this one? No. No. Mm -mm. In fact, what I hear you say when it started, is this the Night Court theme song? (laughs) No. I said people's court. Oh, people's court. Okay. <laughs> and then I was like, or is it night court? It's some sort of court is in session. Uh-huh. And you're right. I mean, it sounds very 80s, and yet the song came out in 1990. So at this point, okay, they're sounding- 1990, there's, yes, is the 80s. Yeah, they're sounding behind the times. I could just see their haircuts and their sunglasses and them all like sniffing around a room, telling each other this is how great the song is. Uh-huh. And that they, everything should be at the exact same level. <laughs> 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 yeah, so I mean, unfortunately, this is a thing we often see where a band that was really good in the previous decade kind of uh, <laughs> peters out as the, the 90s come in to their Oof. own. But um, yeah, not my favorite either. But the thing is, the Stranglers, they do have a lot of good songs. It's not just No More Heroes and Golden Brown. I mean, their their greatest hits are packed full of yeah. songs that are oh, worth hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, For um, sure. You, know, you just it, went through their whole career in three songs. That's right. If you, as a listener, are not familiar, you should definitely check them out. The Stranglers are cool. Dave Greenfield's keyboards are always worth listening to. Dave Greenfield, sadly, passed away in May. He was 71 years old. Also, I was going to say, in that last song, we didn't hear a lot of keyboard. I was listening, and it was just like jazzy Mm. tinkling in the background sure so and you're, you're saying if we if there was more dave greenfield in the song it probably would have been better if it was the driving force behind that song like it is behind most of their great songs mm-hmm. then yes okay agree yeah yeah that song was not our favorite but if there was more dave yeah it would have been better yeah okay we're gonna move on to our final and hopefully last covid death I know. I don't want another one um, of these episodes. Yeah, Ugh. I know. Seriously. This, is, pain- this I, is painful. This is sad. Like, I am on the verge of tears the uh, whole time. Yeah, it's not super fun for me. I mean, uh-uh. I'm enjoying being able to go back and listen to some songs that I think are worth hearing, but it is painful, and I, I really hope we don't have to do this again. Yeah. So the final artist we're going to hear about is named Matthew Seligman, and unlike Dave Greenfield, who stuck it out with the Stranglers for uh, his entire musical career. Mm-hmm. Matthew Seligman was all over the place. He's a, he's a roving bass player. Mercenary bassist. <laughs> yeah, bass for hire. Yeah. That's right. And the people he worked with, I mean, it's a really impressive list. Can we hear it? Yeah. <laughs> he played bass with Alex Chilton from Big Star. Okay. He played bass with the Thompson Twins, Peter Murphy, and the Water Boys, Transvision Vamp, 
Tori Amos, Sinead O'Connor. He actually played bass on a song that we've heard on a previous episode of the show. He was the bassist on Morrissey's Ouija Board, Ouija Board. Oh, I love that one. We're going to start with a song that he did with the Soft Boys. The Soft Boys are a band that I love. They were, I guess, sort of a punk band in their early days. Uh, and when they split up, one of the members went on to uh, co-found Katrina and the Waves. Mm. And uh, their leader is Robin Hitchcock, who mm. went on to quite a bit of modern rock success mm -hmm. uh, of his own as a solo performer and with the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. Matthew Seligman was not in the Soft Boys when they formed, but he did join them and played on what is considered, I think, by just about everyone to be their best album. And this is often considered a classic album. It's called Underwater Moonlight okay. from 1980. And, you know, I could go really deep here and pick a song that he co-wrote, like Old Pervert. But <laughs> I don't want to hear any old pervert. No, Thank I'm, you. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to the classics here. Soft Boys fans... Maybe disappointed that I'm not going for a deeper cut, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to play a song called I Want to Destroy You. The way you treat each other really makes me feel real. Because if you want to fight, then you're just dying to get killed. Pretty cool, pretty bass heavy. Got those uh, sweet harmonies. Those are wild. Yeah. If you don't know that album, you should check it out. It's got some really great songs and it's got some really bizarre, weird stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like... This was a little weird. It was a little weird? I don't know. Yeah. Okay, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So after working with the Soft Boys, Matthew Seligman went on to work for quite a number of years with Thomas Dolby. Mm. probably the obvious choice here would be to play She's Blind to Me with Science because that's his biggest hit in the U.S. And I think a lot of people from America probably think of Thomas Dolby as a one-hit wonder. Mm -hmm. But I'm actually going to play a different song that was his biggest hit in the U.K. Ooh. Uh, because the bass is a lot more front and center mm -hmm. here. And I think it really shows off uh, Matthew Seligman's bass right work. So this is from Thomas Dolby's 1984 album, Flat Earth. Oh no, he started it. No, uh, no, he's he got blinded by science. I he's, was going to say, Thomas Dolby, I thought you were interested in science. Okay, here it is. Hyperactive. Yeah, you're right. That bass slaps. Yeah. So, <laughs> he's so he's versatile. Yeah, that his bass was right up there. I would find it so hard to sing that intro to that wacky bass without anything else. Like he was keeping time to that. Yeah. Well, Thomas Dolby is an unusual dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? So and so is Robin Hitchcock. So clearly Matthew Seligman tends to gravitate toward yeah. uh, kind yeah. of the, the off the strange beat. and unusual. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of strange and unusual... He's going to see ghosts. We're going to hear one more song 
that Matthew Seligman was a part of. Mm-hmm. This is from some work that he did with David Bowie. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Good segue. By the way, speaking of which, um, I should mention that he does play bass on the much maligned Mick Jagger David Bowie dancing in the street mm-hmm. cover. And, oh, and he also is on the Labyrinth soundtrack mm-hmm. with Bowie. But the song I'm going to play is a David Bowie song from a movie soundtrack. The song's called Absolute Beginners. Mm-hmm. This is from 1986. The movie, also called Absolute Beginners. Wow. But um, people don't tend to remember that because yeah. uh, the movie was not successful. The song, in fact, was. Oh. So here it is. David Bowie's Absolute Beginners. song's epic yeah that song i kept going like oh it's so familiar what does it remind me of what it's just giving me 80s movie vibes so hard Uh and yeah i think that's what it was reminding me of 80s movies yeah and like it was building it just kept like forever climbing and i just felt like i wasn't gonna get to where it was promising me but it got there (laughs) didn't it Oh, okay, I like that song. I think it's cool. It's not like immediate and catchy like Modern Love or something, but I don't know. I think it's got a really good sound to it. No, it was cool. It was definitely cool, but like it would like took me on a journey. It, okay, yeah. Like, like I was trying to figure it out maybe too much. Like maybe an, I was overthinking the song mm-hmm. and not just like listening to it. Sure. I was just trying to go like, what you know, like when something you're trying to figure out, like what does this remind me of? And you get like hung up on that. Yeah. And you, you run through all the things it does remind you of, but it never really quite... It's like, does it remind me of the Staten Island Ferry? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, you've seen Absolute Beginners, the movie, and you, so it you just don't remember. place in New York? <laughs> Probably. I think it, it takes place in New York in the 50s or 60s or something. I don't know. <laughs> because maybe that's why. All right. So that was pretty cool. Did you catch the bass? Catch that sweet Matthew Sullivan bass work in there? Yeah, that bassist. Yeah. I feel like they don't hire this guy to just be in the background. No. They're like, you, you're a part of this song. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. I was cracking myself up, though, because I was trying to picture absolute beginners, but with the bass style that Seligman played from Hyperactive. Mm, yeah. It's a, it's a very different song. Mm-hmm. It is, but he can do it all as long as he's, you know, like like the keyboardist from The Stranglers, this guy's like a driving force in the song. Mm-hmm. We didn't really talk a ton about each of the songs. That's not really what the point of this was. I just kind of wanted to look back and remember and, uh, you know, maybe introduce. Yeah. Pay tribute. Yeah. And all, you know, like I said, all three of these artists, they touched the modern rock charts in some way. Mm -hmm. Uh, They certainly had some effect on other modern rock artists. Yeah. And um, they'll be missed. Yeah. This is a really tough time. So uh, we'll be back soon-ish. Until next time. Yeah. All right. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I don't really know how to wrap this up. This is an unusual one. Do you? Yeah, you feel like we've said what we need to say? I think so. I think we've said what we need to say. So, okay. you know, if anyone wants to share their pains, share their stories they have about any of these artists, I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to, to write me an email at thisismodernrock at gmail.com. Stay safe. Keep listening. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye.